This message was presented at the GYC conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. All right, we're going to do this together, and I and we want to try to leave some time at the end for questions and answers. So we'll have to watch our time really good because we want your we want you to ask questions. Let me just introduce the subject. And the reason I felt impressed to go down this road and he felt impressed. We've been talking for a long time about there's a lot of emphasis on prayer, and we've been part of that. We've talked and had series on that. But we both said there's something missing here because if we're going to see God's work finished, there's, we have to have power. And power comes through faith. So you can have a lot of prayer, but if you do not have an active faith, you cannot move anything or change anything. And you want to make your life count. If you go all the way through the Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, but particularly the teachings of Jesus, you're going to find this thing about faith. It's just so powerful through everything that he teaches. So um, we want to, we're going to have some time at the end. If there's something that we're not making clear, raise your hand and say, would you do that again? Because we really want you to be able to get that. And we do have a handout they're going to put up on the screen that you can, you can get. All right, let's go. Let's see if this is going to work. Oh, what's going on here? Okay, why is this not working? That's working. Why is this not? It's, it's working here, but it's not working up there. So what's the trouble? All right. No, it's, it's, it's tied to this. It's changing this, but it's not. I don't know what the trouble is. It's showing it up on the screen. So why that's not doing that, I do not know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what that's for. Okay, if you'll hang on, we'll, we'll get something here going. There's that. Should I reboot it? But this is working. It's not. Okay. Let's see if that's going to work. Yeah. Let me try that. Huh? Yes. Good. Wonderful. It's working now. I am so grateful for Sabrina. Let's see. Yes. Wonderful. You know, that's why you and I like to hang around with young people. Isn't that right? That's true. I've that's never true. been able to get that figured out. All right. Uh, first of all, Pastor Paul, we want, we want to talk about fear. Be done with fear. We live in a world that is just absolutely afraid. Have you noticed that? Everybody's afraid. Have you been afraid? Don't raise your hand. I already know the answer. Have you ever been afraid? Maybe you're afraid this morning. Maybe you're afraid on your way here. Maybe you're afraid of something you're going to run into. Fear is a very powerful motivator. Now, this is coming. This is a secular uh, magazine, Psychology Today, I think. And this is what he says. And for sake of time, we're just going to kind of move. I'm going to try to 
do the, the highlighted part. You can read what's around us. Nothing makes us more uncomfortable than fear. Pastor Paul, have you ever been afraid? Oh, yes. You're going to tell us a story in a little bit about being afraid. Am I right? Yeah, that's true. Really afraid. That's okay. True, yes. And we have so many fears. I mean, when you're young, you hope you don't get some bad disease. Am I right? And when you're old, you hope you don't fall apart before your brain falls apart. I mean, so there's fear everywhere you turn. And if you look at the news and all, it's always filled with, with fear. So here is something, though, that I want to share with you. And that is we have so many fears. And I'm going to skip down here. And our first reaction is often to flee back to our comfort zone. So if you're afraid, the first place you want to go is to find somewhere where you're not afraid. You want to find a comfort zone. Now, this is a secular psychologist. Uh, he doesn't know anything about the Lord, but he does get a, a very good point. Now, I want to come back to this. He comes right down through here, and I want to come here. Fear, he says, is a powerful motivator, but it's a negative one. Now, listen to this. I prefer to motivate someone by eliminating, what's the next word? Doubt. doubt. So fear and doubt go together. So if you have doubt in your life, and we're going to show that in just a little bit, it's going to create fear. And fear will be all around you. So the only way to get rid of fear is to get rid of doubt. And the only way to get rid of doubt is to have faith. Fear is the enemy of faith. It's the enemy of faith. So he says, if you've got, you got to eliminate doubt. Well, we want to talk about that here. So did the disciples of Jesus have fear, Pastor Paul? Well, yes, they, they did have really yeah. real fear. They did have some real they fear, did, didn't they? Yes. Now, this is a story here that you know, and I'm, I'm not going to go through everything, but just to give you the background really quick, this has been a fantastic day in the life of Jesus and the disciples. Seven loaves and two fish, and he fed 5,000 men plus women and children. We don't know how many people were out there. Maybe 15,000, maybe more. That's a lot of people out of seven loaves and two fish. Think about it. Not only that, but he'd heal people all day long. They even talked about the maim. So what's a maim person? That's a person that's missing an arm or missing a leg or all kinds of diseases, leprosy. They had seen Jesus all day long change the world around him. And it's an amazing thing. So don't forget that day. This is the most spectacular day that these disciples have ever seen. At the end of it, they were so powerfully impressed. Pastor Paul, they wanted to make Jesus a king. And what did he do? They planned uh, in their minds that this is the right time for Jesus Christ to be the king. You see, the crowd was just amazed by the power of Jesus Christ. Yes. And they said, it will be good to have such a man as a king of Israel. That's right. And what did Jesus do, though? But Jesus Christ, he knew for a fact the reason why he came. Not to be the king of Israel, but right. to be the Lord and the savior of all. So he, he asked them to, to leave and just, just go. I mean, can and you see he, Jesus doing that, saying, please go home? Yeah, go ahead. Go home, and himself, he went to a solitary place yes. and prayed. Yes. And prayed, and the disciples, he asked them to go alone. And that was the time when they were in trouble. That's right. So they got out on the lake, and the wind was contrary. By the way, you are going to have contrary wind in your life. Not a matter of if, 
It's only a matter of when. It's going to be contrary wind. Okay, let's go and see what happened here. So this is the fourth watch. It's about 3 to 6 a.m., and the disciples now see Jesus walking on the water. We've got a few more chairs up here. Some of you, if you want to come on up, you won't hurt our feelings. We're nice guys. And uh, so I got, we've got chairs in the front row. There's a few chairs right in here and right in there. Might as well make yourself comfortable. And, uh, and we're going to... So, so they see Jesus walking out on the water... And what would you do if you saw somebody walking on the water? Some of I see fear in some of your faces already. <laughs> Maybe curiosity. But they were scared. They thought, this is a ghost. And, uh, and Pastor Paul, they actually cried out with fear. Cried out of fear. As you know, there are levels of fear. Uh, some little fear, great fear, and terrifying fear. And yeah. this is the kind, if you go to the original word, cry out for fear is a deep fear. Yeah, terror. Terror, terrified. Yeah. All right. But immediately, and I love that word there, but notice what Jesus said. Now, here they're screaming out with fear, and Jesus says what? Be of good cheer. I want to tell you that Jesus wants all of us to be of good cheer. And we're going to talk about how you can be of good cheer all day long, anytime, and not be afraid. Now, when we talk about fear here, we're not talking about being stupid. You ride on the right, correct side of the road. When I go to his place in South Africa, when I went there, I refuse to drive the car because they drive on the different side of the road than we drive. I started to say the wrong side of the road, and he was going to correct me. I knew that was coming. (laughs) But... um, I felt a lot more comfortable doing, you know, having him, him drive that way. But he's fearless. When he comes over here, he just jumps in and gets on the opposite side and drives great. You know, he drove all the way to the Upper Peninsula. I just said, gave him my car keys and said, go. That's true. And he did. <laughs> yeah. But so we, you're talking about using some common sense, so we're not talking about that thing. But we're talking about fear that just pervades people's lives and keeps them from doing things but jesus wants us to be a good cheer and then there's this is loaded you could preach a whole sermon right here or do a whole bible study right here be a good cheer and then the third second part it's i if jesus is there you don't have to be afraid am i right Isn't that wonderful if you have his presence and peter answered and said to him now notice what he said look at that little word what does that little word suggest yeah, it suggests doubt, exactly. Wouldn't it have been a lot better if Peter had said, since it's you, tell me to come out. But he didn't. He says, if, if that's you. Well, Jesus is going to help Peter out, and he's going to help all the disciples. And I want to say something, that Peter here represents all the disciples in that boat. Now, Peter's always first in line, you've noticed. And he's probably just looking around, and he's saying, okay, this is going to be good. Uh, it's not going to be good. It's going to be good, but it's not going to be good. And we wanted to analyze this. Okay, you know what happened here, but when he saw the wind was boisterous. Now listen, he was walking on the water, Pastor Paul. He was stepping on it and wasn't sinking. How about that? That's true. But when he got afraid, and notice what Jesus said to him. He says to Peter, oh, you of what kind of faith? Why did you what? Now the question is, is why was Peter overwhelmed suddenly with doubt? Why? And we want, to take a, we want to take a look at that. All right. Uh, this is Desire of Ages. And I'm, I'm not going to read everything here, but I want to focus on a few little spots here. By the way, this is page 381. You can look at this and, and dissect it yourself. 
Um, Ellen White says that it was through unbelief, and she adds something to it, self-exaltation. Pastor Paul, how was it that self-exaltation began to lead to doubt? Self is the enemy of faith in a way. Because if you exalt yourself, that means you focus on yourself, mm-hmm. not on God. That's right. And that creates doubt in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Amen. So um, that was the problem of the disciples, of Peter, especially here. All along, when he fixed his eyes upon Jesus Christ, he didn't sink. But the very moment he focused on the waves, and on the water, then he started to sink. And that is the problem. The doubt and the fear, they're actually caused by the fact that instead of looking to Jesus Christ, look on the problems and the waves of life. You know, they were not happy about being sent into that boat. And and this is a a fascinating point. How does self-exaltation play a role here? Well, they wanted to make Jesus king. Now, you were telling me last night, we were talking about this, that Judas was probably stirring all of this up. But they all wanted to be Jesus to be king. But why? Why did they want Jesus to be king? If Jesus is exalted, who gets exalted with him? Yeah, they do. And that's what the trouble is. Now, this, this is so fascinating. They were eager to see me exalted. And now notice what kind of thinking was going on in their minds here it is here we go to be united with a teacher who could work mighty miracles and yet be reviled as deceivers was a trial they could ill endure they said how can this be how can jesus do these mighty miracles and then we're associated with him and we're accused of being deceivers by the way before jesus comes every seventh day adventist every person that keeps the commandments of god and the faith of jesus you're going to be considered to be a deceiver They're going to get on all those news programs, and they're going to have smart people and attractive people, and they're going to be telling the world just what terrible people that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus really are. I want to tell you the only way you're going to get through this, and the only way you're going to make a difference, and the only way we're going to change the world. Let me say this. The gospel is not going to end in a whimper. By the power of the Lord Jesus, through his servants, his humble servants, we are going to take from Satan untold millions of his victims. But that can only be done if we know how to exercise faith, and we cannot be afraid. Now listen to these disciples, these questions. Pastor Paul, you just jump in here anytime, and we'll look at that. Okay. Would Christ, these, these are the questions, these are skeptical questions. Would Christ never assert his authority as a king? Why did he not who possessed such power reveal himself and his true character and make their way less painful? Why had he not saved John the Baptist from a violent death? Ever have those cast questions? Ever have skeptical questions of doubt start flooding in your mind and you start questioning all those kind of things? Those skeptical kinds of questions are, is the way to doubt and the way to fear. Now notice this, thus the disciples reasoned until they brought upon themselves great spiritual darkness. Now this next statement is really, next sentence is really important because I told you to remember what kind of day that was. 
Remember the day feeding all those people? It's an incredible day. That's where they'd been. Now notice this. They question, could Jesus be an imposter as the Pharisees had asserted? That's how dark their minds were out on that boat. And that's why Jesus allowed the wind to get contrary. And that's why he was getting ready to teach them a marvelous thing. Well, Pastor Paul, what, I'm, we're going to just go over this really quick. Mm-hmm. And that's, this is, notice what happens here. This is how they get into the problem. And this is how they get out of the problem. Their focus on honor had blinded them, made them forget the amazing evidence that Jesus had given that day. Number two, disappointed exaltation led to skeptical questioning. If you start getting skeptical, start asking yourselves about your motives. Why am I asking skeptical questions? Why am I doubting? And then it goes on, skeptical question led to doubt. Doubt led to fear. I'm telling you that Peter, had they not been doing this, Peter would have never gotten afraid on that water. He never would have. This is the foundation of why Peter doubted. Because he had these critical, skeptical questions, and he had been part of that conversation. And that got them. And then that fear led to failure. Now, the only way out of that, is for humility and self-forgiveness. Pastor Paul, why is humility so important in developing our faith? Humility is so important when it comes to developing our faith because when we are full of self, there's no place for God. And that is our problem. Many times the eye is so strong in us that there's no room for God. And if there's no room for God, there's no room for faith. So humility is the key when it comes to developing our faith because it is inviting Jesus Christ to walk in in us. And we can say with Paul, the Apostle Paul, not I, but Christ. If Christ lives in us, he comes with the package of faith. Christ cannot say, well, I will live in your heart, but I leave aside the faith. If you have Christ, then you have the faith of Christ. Yes, and I don't want to leave that because, Pastor Paul, if they had been humble, if they weren't worried about themselves, instead of all those skeptical questions, they would have been talking about everything that had gone on in that day. That's true. They would have been saying, did you see that man without an arm and he walked away with a new arm? Did did you get a peek into that basket where the loaves were and see how that multiplied? I still can't believe my eyes. They had one loaf, and before I could turn around, they had a basket full. I mean, there was all kinds of things to talk about in that boat. But because they weren't humble, because they were worried about their own self. And actually, it's the worldly thinking. The worldly thinking that banished the faith in them. They were thinking of this glory. They are thinking of the victory uh, over the Roman uh, soldiers and all of this. So it's worldly thinking that is the enemy of faith. Amen. And so they, they would have had their eyes open and they would have been talking about those amazing miracles. Gratefulness. We're going to talk more about gratefulness. But if you want to change your life, if you want to change your life for this new year, start being grateful all day long. 
You say, Lord, I'm so glad I can be in these seminars because these chairs are nice and soft. Thank you, Lord, for nice, soft chairs. I'm serious. You don't think, of, think about the blessings that you have. Think about the blessings you have. I, Glenn Kuhn, you may have read this story, and I may have told it somewhere. If I did, you can forgive me. But Glenn Kuhn, he's passed away now, but he was in Florida, in Orlando, Florida, and he was doing a series, a revival series there. And they said, look, there's a lady here, and she is so depressed. For weeks, he says, she's just getting worse and worse. She's quit working. She just, her life is totally dysfunctional. So he said he went to see her, and he asked her, he says, uh, is there anything that you're thankful for? She says, not a thing. She says, every day, the walls get closer and closer and are closing in on me. He looked at her, and he says, well, are you thankful for your toothbrush? She said, yeah, I guess I could be thankful for that. He said, fine. Get a list and put that at the top of the list. And he says, I want you to say 10 times a day, Lord, I'm thankful for my toothbrush. And then as you think of other things that you're thankful for, you add to that. And two weeks he came back. She's a totally different woman. She's back to work. Why? Gratefulness. Because when you remind yourself of the good things that you have, and you all have them, you have so many. Be grateful. If they had been doing that, they would have never done it. So their faith would have been increased, and success would have crowned their efforts. So the apostle Romans says that. I'm going to skip that for right now. Uh, Abraham increased his faith by being grateful. And I'm going to skip this here because I want to get down. I'm watching the time here. Pastor Paul, I think this would be a great time for you to tell the story. I mean, I was talking to him about these stories over breakfast this morning, and I love hearing these stories. Let me give you a setting because he's a little modest, but, but he's, going, he's going to tell you a story from the Congo. Do you know anything about the Congo of Africa? If you do any reading, it's not a place that you would volunteer normally to go. He's going there on God's mission. Some of you are missionaries. You've been in hard places, tough places, and this is one of the tougher places where war has just ravaged it. Pastor Paul, you had your whole family there in that. You took your whole family in that. A lot of people wouldn't dare go there just themselves, much less have their family there. You're living by faith every day, and you never know what was coming next. You've got to tell us that story of what happened. And you've got more stories. Yeah, let's go. Thank you very much. Um, to God be the glory. Um, I'm originally from Madagascar. But I left that country in 1995. That was quite some time now. 1994. And we were called to be missionary in, in Africa, in Congo. Congo, the name then was Zaire. Uh, and it was changed to, to Congo later on. So we came uh, to that country. We arrived with my... Uh, with our little children. They were still small then. One of them is the president of GYC, that is uh, Moise, but he was still small, like uh, he was about five years then. And uh, the two, um, Paul and Mary, they were older than him, but the Lord just called us to go there. People said, uh, why are you going to Congo? There's a civil war there. And a lot of killing. Why are you uh, bringing your family to that place? Of course, we prayed. 
we'll talk about presumption later on, the difference between faith and presumption. I'm not going to talk about that now, but we'll talk about this. We prayed to make sure that this is what God wants us to do. Once you are sure that this is what God wants you to do, you don't need to doubt. You don't need to fear because God is with you. So we prayed, we asked God, yes, it is dangerous. People said, don't go. Uh, but we said, well, this is what God wants. So we went with family. And sure enough, it was dangerous because that was a time of civil war. Um, and when it comes to civil war, it is more dangerous than another country will invade another one because you know by the way of the language and many things that this is not from this, uh, they are not from this country. But civil war, that means people probably know each other, start to fight. They don't know who are the enemies. Civil war is dangerous. So every day we just lived in that kind of situation. Uh, every time when you go to, before you go to bed, you do the family worship. Family worship was special. By the way, it is, it is always special for all of us. We need to emphasize this. But in Congo during that time, it was special because that was also the time to be ready to die or to live. Because during that time, um, soldiers may, may come and just attack and take whatever they want and kill everybody, and that's it. So that might be the last time you see each other as a family during that time. So we prayed. The Lord, the Lord blessed, uh, despite, despite the fear. One day, uh, I drove. When I went to, uh, to, the down, to downtown Kinshasa, that is a capital city, there was this kind of fear in me, the fear of death. Because it's real. You, it is so real that you may encounter death any time. You may be attacked any time. The system of the protection and all of this. And then while I was driving, the Holy Spirit just impressed upon me. He said, why are you afraid? I have sent you here. And death is something that wherever you are, you may die when it is time. And the Lord just impressed upon me that I should not live in the fear of death. And the fear of death was removed because of the presence of God. But one day, it was, I was challenged. We had a meeting. It was a training. I was a union president then during that time. Uh, it was a meeting on leadership. And we finished the meeting around 5 o'clock. And then my colleague, who is a native of that country, uh, him and his wife, they went shopping, drove his car, and then they parked that car, and they went. So when they came back, their car 
was already surrounded by six men, armed men. Then they approached the car. And these uh, gunmen said, give us the car of you, the key of your car. And he refused. And then he approached the car. And they said, give us the briefcase. And he refused. And we shot him. Three bullets passed through his body. And he was there in a pool of blood. And that was not the time of the mobile phone. It was so hard to communicate and let alone in, in a place like that. So his wife was there not knowing what to do. And that was daytime. Many people around, but they were afraid to intervene because they, can be, they could be shot as well. So the Lord helped, um, helped her to find a way and... My colleague was rushed to the hospital, and the doctor said they must operate on him right away. So it was a big operation starting at 9 o'clock, 9 o'clock evening till about 3 o'clock in the morning, and it was finished. They had to do many things. They had to uh, cut some of the war guns inside because of the bullet, and it was, it was just a very hard operation. So it was finished in the morning. But after three days, the head surgeon called me, Pastor, uh, as you can see, the, the operation was uh, successful, but we are worried. Because there is a, a risk of infection. And here we have the knowledge, but given our circumstance, we don't have the tools and if that happens, there's no way we can control it. So the only way, the head surgeon said, we have to evacuate him to South Africa. Going to South Africa with a plane. And since he could not sit, him alone required about four or five seats. And we want to... We wanted also his wife to accompany him. And since he could not communicate in English, we communicated in French, need a, need a translator, and then medical staff. We need about nine seats. And it was difficult. My colleague, we sent him, I said, go and find seats for, for him. He failed. And then finally, I decided, to said, let me try. I know of someone who has a travel agency. Probably you can plead. So I went there and drove, and I parked my car. And I crossed the main road of the capital city of Kinshasa at 2 p.m., daytime. So I crossed the road, and I started to walk toward that travel agency. Then someone followed me from behind. And that we, we were used to that. People try to involve you and try to do something. And we have developed already some, a lot of, little bit of a skill, how to avoid, you just walk. You, you don't engage, 
you just walk, continue, and many times they will just let you and uh, they abandon you and maybe try to find another victim. But this time, that trick did not work. So I kept on walking, and I can't walk fast. I'm a marathon runner, so I can walk fast. So I walked fast, but he walked faster <laughs> and started to talk. And then as we proceeded, I saw a car park alongside the road, a kind of a Toyota brownish parked there. And once the young man saw that car, he overtook me. And then he stood just next to the door of the car. And he stopped me. And he said, get into the car. And he said, no. I, I have something important to do. There's no way I can go into the car. But he commanded, get into the car. I refused. Then he showed the gun. And right away, I thought of my colleague. He said, my colleague did not comply, and that's why he was shot. And I said, it will not be good if the union president is shot, and um, the secretary also is shot. It will not be good. And I said, well, the Holy Spirit just talked to me. Just accept, and then negotiate your life well inside. So I complied. So I, I went into the car. I saw three men, or they were already in the car. The driver, and the, next to the driver, I found out that that was the leader of the group. And then another man at the back seat, and then the gunman. So they put me at the back seat in the middle, next to the gunman and another man. And... Uh, we were five of us in that car. And given that circumstance, I knew what would happen. They just probably take me to a place, a faraway place, keep me there, and take everything I have, and uh, kill me, and uh, dump me into the river Congo, and I will be the breakfast of crocodile, and nowhere to be found. And I had the fear. I had that fear. So they closed the, uh, the, the car, the door of the car, and then the driver started the engine. And there was this fear that probably this will be the end. Then I prayed. He said, Lord, I know if you tarry, I will eventually die. But this is not the kind of death that I really want. Save me. Short prayer. Save me. And they continue to drive. He continued to drive. Once I finished that prayer, I felt 
like physically the presence of Jesus. You see, uh, we believe that Jesus is here, but during time like that, and it happened to me a few times, you feel almost physically the hand of Jesus. And I felt physically the hand of Jesus. Don't be afraid. I am here. And they continued. Then my fear vanished. That car became like a cab for me like a taxi. We were there, and uh, they removed, they asked my wallet. No, first, they asked for my documents, because we travel with documents in a place like that. You never know, you may just run away, and you need your passport so that you can travel. So they took my document, which is a dangerous one, but I was not afraid. He said, Jesus is here. He's in control. So they took that. Then... Uh, they took also the money, whatever they had, took the money. I was not afraid. So we continued toward Congo River. Congo River, exactly the way I thought. But I was not afraid. Jesus was there. And he slowed down. Then he start, they started to speak in French. All along, they spoke in vernacular of Congo. And that was a time I just arrived, like maybe one year. I couldn't really understand. I understood later. So they changed into French, which I understand. I use that. And then the leader said, he said, listen, we cannot touch this man. He's a man of God. Give back his documents. So the gunman gave back my documents. And then he said, uh, as a matter of fact, he said, since he's a man of God, we cannot even touch his money. Give back the money. Then um, they looked at each other. They did not want to give, the gunman did not want to give back the money. Documents, yes, money, no. <laughs> then he hesitated, and the leader just shout, give back the money. Then he understood. He understood that language. So reluctantly, give the, the money everything, every cent. Okay, this is the money. I got the money, I got back everything. And the leader said, sir, now you are free. You may go. But Jesus was there. I was not afraid. I said, no. You cannot just abandon me here. I need a ride back to the city. <laughs> uh, and the leader now was pleading. He said, sir, you know, we must admit that we too, we are afraid. That place, we don't want to go there very often. Another group may attack us. So uh, your request is difficult. Probably we can't do that. I said, no, you have brought me here. There's no way you can leave me here. Uh, you need to find a way to bring me back. 
I had that boldness because of Jesus. Jesus and the angels. And they were there struggling to find a way. And, and he said, well, this is what we can do. There is a, another way which is safe, safer for us. We will take that. There will be a, a, there is a roundabout. We will bring you to that roundabout and we will drop you there. And that is already in the middle of the city, so no problem for you. I said, is that okay? He said, he was pleading now with me, if I agree or not. And I said, yes, fine. So they started the engine, going back to the city. Then we saw this big roundabout. Said, okay, here, we cannot go beyond this. We have to leave you here. I said, that's fine. And he said, are we? We are friends now, right? He said, yes, we are. And he said, you know, don't take this street. This is dangerous. Take rather this one. And you will reach your destination. And I took that street. And I reached the destination. The solution of fear is the presence of Jesus in our lives. That is the way. Isn't that powerful? Did you notice what happened? You know, as Jesus came in and he had, he had new boldness. I mean, you wouldn't normally do that. They said, now you can go. You just get out of there as fast as you can. But no, he sits there and he says, uh, no, you're not going to let me out of here. You've got to take me back. A taxi, they became your taxi. And now they were afraid. Yeah. Uh, uh, because they, you had the presence of Jesus there. Powerful. Jesus wants to do that for every one of us in this room. He wants to be with us constantly, and that's why we need that constant communion. Now, you know this text well. Uh, faith is like uh, electricity. It's unseen, but it's powerful. And this is, uh, got to watch the time here. We've got about, uh, four or five, about five more minutes. Let's move down, because we want to... Um, we want to go to the disciples. And let's just talk about this for a little bit. In the upper room, uh, when Jesus had been crucified, the disciples were afraid. They were terrified. What happened between then and Pentecost and the upper room? Peter denies Jesus because he's afraid. But what does he do on the day of Pentecost? He stands up in front of crowds of Jews, and he tells them that they crucified the Son of God. Notice the fear, timidity of Peter is changed into being bold, to being powerfully bold. I'm telling you that Jesus wants us to be bold. He wants us to have courage, and that courage comes from faith. So, uh, let's see, I... Yeah, let me go back here. Yeah, let's take a look at these for just a, a moment. Pastor Paul, there were 10 spies. They know the story. But why did 10 spies, why were they afraid and the other two weren't when they came on the borders of Cana? This is a very uh, interesting story and very up, uplifting. You know very well these, uh, this story about the 12 spies. The difference is, what is the difference between the two, the two groups? The ten spies, they focus on the giants. 
they focus on the wall. They focus on the problems and the kind of rehearsing this. That is in their mind, you know, the giants, these, these people will die. And then they thought of the Egypt and all of these. Why? They, they were counting the challenges. They did not count the blessings, but they count the challenges and worries. And it grows. A little hill becomes a big mountain. That was the problem of the, of the ten. But the true Caleb and Joshua, they didn't talk. They acknowledged that, yes, they were a giant and so on. But they kind of, their focus was on God and the promises of God and the, the plan of God. They knew that they have to cross, cross the river in order to inherit Canaan. They knew that God called them to do that and God was with them. So that is the difference between the true and you see the result. The 12, the 10, they were kind of afraid. They didn't have faith. But the true, they talked about the power of God. They talked about the plan of God. And as a result, they, uh, they said, let's go. In fact, you can hear it in the words of Caleb. Yes. When Caleb... Uh, tries to rouse them, he tells them, remember all the wonderful, powerful things that God has done. So you're, you're right, Pastor Paul. They were looking at the walls and the giants and all the armor that was there. But Caleb and Joshua were saying, don't forget the Red Sea where God opened the whole Red Sea and we walked through on dry ground. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. When you get afraid, it's because you forget you forget. And the only way to get rid of the fear is to remember. So why would David, fearless... And actually, yes. not only the past that you need to remember, we need also to know the promise of God for the future. Yes. So if you put the past, the great past, the Lord intervened in your life, and the hope and the promise of God together, we put this together, then the present circumstance, which is quite a bit difficult, becomes very small, shrink. But if you remove the past, you remove the future, then these problematic or challenges becomes big, and then you are afraid. And this we should not do. That is the best way for us to conquer fear is through Counting the blessings of the Lord in the past and also clinging to the promise of God for the future. And then the present circumstance, even though it is hard, becomes so small. And that's why it becomes strong. Now, everybody in this room knows and could tell the story of David and Goliath. But why was David so unafraid? I mean, his big brothers tried to push him off. They tried to scare him. Saul tries to scare him. Saul's afraid himself, and Saul is head and shoulders above everybody else, bigger than David, and David's a youth. The same thing. You see, there is a, a pattern here. You have a parallel. I would like you actually to study this more. And uh, in your Bible, it's a, there's a pattern. You see Saul and the soldiers, the other soldiers, they were afraid. They look at the giant. He said, they look at Goliath. He said, there's no way 
that uh, I'm going to face that giant. I will be smashed. I will be done. So they looked at the giant. But for David, if you analyze what David did and what David said, he, he didn't even talk about the size of, of Goliath. He was talking about what God has done. When Saul said, no, you, you cannot, you cannot meet, you cannot face this, this giant. He is a professional warrior for his entire life. You are just a lad. And then David said, no, my, my Lord, the, God has helped me. I killed with bare hands, lions and bear. And so he was talking about what God has done through him in the past, the power of God. And then he, he went on talking about what God is going to do uh, to this giant. And exactly, exactly it happened. So that is the pattern. Right here, we have a formula to have faith. If you want to have faith, don't focus on the problems. Focus on God and his promises. I want you to notice the boldness of the giant versus the boldness and fearlessness of David. Now, the giant has put his trust in his armor and his shield and his sword and the fact that he's a huge size and he's got muscles and he's got everything and he's trained and he knows his business. He's like a Navy SEAL on steroids. And he sees David coming out to him with a stick and a slingshot. And he curses David because he has confidence in his stuff that he can see. David is absolutely fearless. He looks at that giant and he says, I am going to give you, I'm going to take your life. I'm going to give your flesh to the birds of the air. And of course, we all know what happened. But look at the fearless. And, and David says, I will do it in the name of the Lord. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have watched God do something amazing in your life? Let me see your hands. You've watched God. Don't ever forget it. Build on it. it will, you're going to have more challenges. It's not that you're not going to be confronted with fearful things. You will be. As we go to the end of time, there's going to be fearful things we've never even dreamed of. I'm telling you, what's coming is going to make the Nazis look like child's play and the communists. We're going to be facing things there's no, absolutely no human solutions to. And the only thing that you will have is your faith in this powerful Jesus. By the way, Jesus never met an enemy. He has an overthrown. Isn't that wonderful? Never met one. We're just almost getting out of time here, so I'm going, to, I'm going to skip down here. And these are some of Jesus' sayings about faith. Oh, we're not going to have time to talk about the Syrophoenician woman. But it's one of my favorite stories. But we'll have to do that another time. We need to take some time for questions and answers because yeah, we let's, promised let's that. Take All right, so if you, if you have a question or comment, would you just raise your hand? I'll try to get to you with the microphone so everybody else can hear you. Pastor Sister White, excuse me, <clears throat> wrote that when she saw the last day events and the time of the end, actually how it's going to be, she said that it is not a pen that can portray it. It's our faith. It's our faith. 
All right, thank you so much. Somebody else, you have a question or comment that you would like to share? Right over there, and I'm going to go right to you. And Pastor Paul, you feel free to answer, and I'll try to get the microphone going around. This topic was very, very important. The world is so scary. And the Lord has led me through the process of time to take a page a day calendar. And on the morning, each morning, I write, I take 15 minutes and I thank him for what he did for me that day. Very specifically, I say thank you for water. Thank you for exercise. Thank you that I can see very simple things. And then on the day before, I thank him for what he did for me yesterday. And it has been so practical. It's been so helpful because we have a, my family has a background of depression. It's helped me stay out of depression. It has helped me, my husband, the Lord will remind me, did you thank Jim for what he did for you yesterday? And I'll say, oh, I need to thank him for that. So it has very practical value. And when you're with people, it reminds you to thank, thank them for what they did for you. It's just super rich. So I encourage you all to try it. Amen. What a practical Amen. suggestion. Amen. By the way, we all want to be happy, don't we? You'll be happy if you're doing that. I'm telling you, you're going to be happy. Okay, we got a comment right here from Bermuda. One of my favorite um, aspects of David is that his confidence came from the experiences that he had. Um, my question is, or well, something that I struggle with, is pride and ego. How do you know you're um, moving from a place of confidence versus presumption? We are going to talk about presumption a little bit. Do you want to try to comment on that question? She wants to know about pride and humility and, and how you move from pride or how you make sure you're not into presumption. I, don't, I, I think if we – you want to answer yeah. that in a really short, but we're really going to get into that in one yeah, of these uh, need, things. I, I believe we need to find time for that because it is the, between great faith, great faith and presumption. It is a very fine line. And we need to talk about that more. So come for the next seminars, we will be able to deal with presumption. What is the difference between faith and presumption? Uh, I think we cannot answer that now right away, but we need more time. Yeah, I, I think it is it in part four. Is it part four? Yeah. Anyway, we're going to cover it for sure. When is that? Uh, it's uh, whatever the seminar times are. There are four times. And so... Yeah, it'll be this afternoon. Yeah, thank you. Okay, anybody else have another comment or question that you would like to share before we bring this to a close? There's one here. Okay, good. I'll run right over there. And then we're going to take this as our last one, and then we're going to have prayer, and then we'll give you a dismiss. Right. Just a request. Um, there was a slide earlier um, that was passed, and we just wanted to take a moment to look at it again. It was the one about confidence and fear. It said, um, a confident person is not fearful, but succumbing to fear, dot, dot, dot. Okay, let's see if I can go back to that and find that. Let's see. Um, you let me know when you, right there? Is that it? Okay. And we don't mind sharing these slides, by the way. Can I talk about a little bit more? A confident person is not fearful, but succumbing to fear can destroy confidence. Uh, actually, we had an illustration for that. The only problem is that we're almost out of time here. And I'm trying to remind myself of the illustration that we had. Can you think of it? Oh, we had a really good one, and it ran out. We'll, we'll pick it up next time. We'll pick it up next time. There's a story. Illustrate this. Let's explain this uh, next time. Okay. We, we will do it. But I, I, I've seen that, that people, oh, I know who it was. It was Elijah. Elijah, 
I mean, there was nobody more bold and fearless than Elijah on top of Mount Carmel. Am I right? And then he let Jezebel scare the daylights out of him. Beautiful, treacherous Jezebel. That's a good place to end. But aren't you glad for God who gave him his confidence back? Because his ministry did not end there. He was so discouraged. He says, I'd just soon die. But God said, no, nah, I think I've got some other work for you to do. Get your courage back. And he became a great, courageous uh, man. So thank you for bringing us to that. And that's what that, that is all yeah. about there. All right. Would you have our closing prayer for us? Let's all stand. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have given us this time to talk about faith. We know, Lord, that we need more faith. And that's why we are here. So we pray, would you increase our faith and help us to be bold. And now as we take a little break, you just be with us. And help us to internalize what we have learned. And it will bring the fruits of faith. In the name of Jesus. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to challenge and inspire young people to take a sacrificial initiative for Christ. To download other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.